Once mostly a condition of childhood, our patients with congenital heart disease are living well into their adult years. Nearly 2 million American children and adults are living with a congenital heart defect. What are the special medical needs of our cardiac patients as they transition from adolescence to adulthood? And how can our medical system best provide first-rate care to the growing numbers of adult patients with a congenital heart defect? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Michael McConnell, co-director of the Emory Sibley Adult Congenital Heart Disease Clinic in Atlanta and associate professor of pediatrics at Emory University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. McConnell. Thank you. Now, we transition all of our pediatric patients at some point to internists and family physicians, to obstetricians and other specialists. But what is so unique about transitioning our patients who have congenital heart disease? The unique aspect is that many of the children have been brought up with the philosophy given to them by the parents that their hearts are okay or that they're well or healthy, and they kind of lose the concept that they need to be followed throughout life by someone knowledgeable in congenital heart disease. So even in healthcare delivery systems such as Canada, where there's no barrier to healthcare access because of pre-existing conditions or insurance availability, as many as 50% of adolescents fail to transition successfully from a pediatric cardiology practice to an adult congenital cardiology practice. But is the understanding of the patient and the family maybe that the congenital heart disease may have been cured by surgery or may not pose any problems even if surgery wasn't needed? Absolutely. That is part of the problem. And you can imagine as a parent that you don't want to scare your child or raise them with the thought that they have this lifelong disease. You want them to be as normal as possible. But yet they do need to understand that they need lifelong cardiology follow-up with someone knowledgeable in these issues. I mean, for example, to be a pediatric cardiologist takes three to four years of training, and the current recommendations for internal medicine cardiologists to understand about congenital heart disease is that they get two hours of didactic lectures in their three to four years of training. So most internal medicine cardiologists are grossly underprepared to help take care of this population. So these patients need to be cared for in a highly specialized clinic situation where the doctors understand their unique physiology. Okay, so you're not necessarily saying that we transition them completely from a pediatric cardiologist to an adult cardiologist if they don't have the appropriate training. That is correct. What they need to be in is an adult congenital cardiac clinic. And different cities have solved that problem different ways with, for example, internal medicine cardiologists or pediatric cardiologists or sometimes both, which is what we have here at Emory and the Sibley Heart Center in Atlanta. We have an adult congenital clinic staffed by both an internal medicine cardiologist with additional training in congenital heart disease and a pediatric cardiologist who has spent 20 years helping take care of adults with congenital heart disease. But every major metropolitan area in the United States has sort of solved it differently depending upon the resources available. So would you say that every large metropolitan area in the U.S. does have some type of comprehensive multidisciplinary center to care for our patients with congenital heart disease? I think that would be safe to say, 
Yes. And the smaller communities, certainly not. But this is a time when the patients really need to take charge of their health care. And they need to, if they had congenital heart disease, they need to get on the Adult Congenital Heart Association website and understand the severity of their disease and whether or not they need to be followed in one of these comprehensive centers. And that website will also include the locations of those centers throughout the United States. Are there any practice guidelines that show how often an adult patient with congenital heart disease needs to be followed by a, a cardiology team? Yes, there are. In fact, the American College of Cardiology just published a 120-page document that's available as a PDF file concerning just those issues, what the diagnoses are, how often you need to be followed, depending upon the diagnoses. And so all that information is out there in guideline form for cardiologists. And at what age do patients need to start thinking about making that transition from their pediatric cardiologist to a a comprehensive team? Yeah, that's an excellent question. We do it in a stepwise fashion here in Atlanta, and people have tried it different ways. And by stepwise, what I mean is that we have a clinic set up for roughly 14-year-olds to come to the adult hospital and have a discussion with the adult congenital heart disease nurse practitioner about adolescent transition issues, including sexuality, drug and substance abuse, employability, insurability, lifelong follow-up, those type of issues. But we don't actually assume care of these people until roughly 18 to 22 years of age depending upon the wishes of the family, the patient, and the referring cardiologist. Typically, when the adolescents begin having more and more adult behavior, whether it's substance issues, pregnancy, then they tip, the pediatric cardiologist will typically transition them at that age. So it is then the pediatric cardiologist's role to initiate that transition rather than, say, the primary care physician's role? Yes, I would think so, the pediatric cardiologist and or the patient. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health, from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu. Our guest is Dr. Michael McConnell, co-director of the Emory Sibley Adult Congenital Heart Disease Clinic in Atlanta and associate professor of pediatrics at Emory University School of Medicine. We're discussing the transition of care for young adults with congenital heart disease. We're talking about when the pediatric cardiologist or the family starts making that transition. Is there any type of preparation that needs to be done beforehand, some of the logistical issues such as making sure medical records are transferred if you don't have an electronic health record, and what about insurance coverage? What kind of logistical concerns might there be? Yeah, those are very good questions. We have a a checklist and ask that the pediatric cardiologist and his team put together a list of documents including recent clinic notes, operative notes, chest x-rays, echocardiography results, those type of things. And so when the patient comes to see us in the adult congenital clinic, all of that data is available for us. The insurance is a critical factor. Many of the patients have been on some type of government support as children, whether it's Medicaid or crippled children's type situation, but those things typically run out when the patient is 21 years of age. Also, some children have qualified for SSI, which is disability type insurance, 
and that may run out when they're 21. So the patient may have been raised their entire life thinking that their health care is paid for and they're, quote, disabled, end quote, and then it disappears when they become adults. So making certain that they are insured is a very, very complicated aspect of adult congenital heart disease transition. What about access to care? Do you think that there are enough of these comprehensive care teams to take care of these patients as they get older? Absolutely not. There are not enough of these comprehensive teams. We are working with the CDC here in Atlanta to help the government understand the gravity of the situation and the huge number of patients that are coming into adulthood with inadequate resources to take care of them. So we as a medical community need to make more practitioners who are ready, willing, and able to take care of patients with these complicated problems. What do you think about some pediatric subspecialists who continue to see their patients with congenital disease well into their adult years, maybe into their 30s or their 40s? I've known definitely some specialists during my residency years who continue to do this. What are your thoughts? It depends upon what system they have set up to help do it. For example, I'm a pediatric cardiologist, so I do see patients well into their 40s, 50s, and 60s. But I have the backup of an adult-oriented internal medicine cardiology system. So if they get admitted with congestive heart failure or arrhythmias or appendicitis or whatever, they can go to a hospital that is tailored for their needs as opposed to some situations where you have a pediatric cardiologist following a 40-year-old and then that person has to be admitted to a children's hospital, which doesn't work out very well. Most of the consultants in the children's hospital are pediatricians and want to take care of children, not 40-year-olds, because the uh, pediatric cardiologist wants to keep taking care of them. And what about some regions, maybe rural areas, where there might be an adult cardiologist but not a pediatric cardiologist to take care of our younger patients? Yeah, I think that it all depends upon the teamwork and how willing the healthcare delivery team is to ask questions. So if for example, you're in a, in a rural location and you have an internal medicine cardiologist who is comfortable communicating with the big center about a patient with complex congenital heart disease, that type of dialogue and teamwork can work out reasonably well. You had mentioned that in adulthood, some of our patients may get congestive heart failure or arrhythmias as a result of their congenital heart disease. Are there any other complications that these patients are particularly at risk for as they age? Those are the big two. Honestly, congestive heart failure, meaning that the pump is unable to perform adequate cardiac output, and then secondly, because of the surgery, arrhythmias. Another one is that many of our patients are destined to need a heart transplant, and so you need to be cared for in a system that can do that. Unfortunately, for example, we do about 30 single ventricle operations a year at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and... We only do about 30 heart transplants a year on adults of all types with heart failure. So there's going to be a big difference in the amount of hearts that are needed and the amount of hearts that are available. Do you find that patients who have had surgery for congenital heart defects are requiring any revisions during adulthood? Yes, absolutely. At least a third of the patients will need additional surgery. And that's one of those issues that often the children have not been made aware of. 
And what about women who become pregnant, women who have congenital heart disease? Are there any special considerations as you take care of them? For example, in the United Kingdom, the number one cause of mothers dying during pregnancy is congenital heart disease. So there are many, many aspects of dealing with women who had congenital heart disease who are now pregnant that are unique to that population. It can be a very high-risk population. In general, how the mother will do with the pregnancy depends upon how sick she is before she gets pregnant. So, for example, if she's going to the gym and working out for 30 minutes every day, she'll do fine, irrespective of her congenital heart disease. And if she's moribund and can't walk upstairs, she's not going to do well with pregnancy, irrespective of her heart disease. But what we don't know is what's the long-term impact on the woman's heart and the woman's pulmonary vascular bed from having a baby. We know whether we can get them through pregnancy or not statistically, but what's it going to do to the woman 10 years from now that's really problematic. So the guidelines are that women who have moderate to severely complex congenital heart disease or complex congenital heart disease need to be followed in a comprehensive clinic and then they need to receive their counseling about pregnancy, whether it's advisable, through physicians knowledgeable in these issues. Do you find that the complications are occurring during the pregnancy itself or is it during the delivery? It can be all three. It can be during pregnancy, it can be during the delivery, and there are a lot of biochemical changes that occur after delivery that change the pulmonary vascular resistance, et cetera. So within the first two weeks after delivery is also a critical period. And since I'm a primary care pediatrician, I was hoping you could tell us what you would like primary care physicians to know when we take care of congenital heart disease patients who are transitioning from adolescence to adulthood. I think the the take-home message is for the patient to not get lost. They need to stay in a healthcare delivery system that understands their unique problems. If the primary care doctors can help us keep these patients oriented to the fact that they need to see specialized physicians and specialized clinics, it will be a great public health service. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Michael McConnell, co-director of the Emory Sibley Adult Congenital Heart Disease Clinic in Atlanta and associate professor of pediatrics at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. McConnell reminded us of the need to review practice guidelines for the care of adult patients with congenital heart disease and also discussed some logistical challenges of making the transition. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to a special segment, Focus on Heart Health, from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening.